What's going on, family? Welcome back to Demo Radio. I do this weekly new episodes every Friday, and what I w- and what I try to do here is just represent the real and true. Try to cut the fat off the steak because it's a lot of, you know, miss not necessarily misinformation, but just incorrect perspective going on. And I want to just address that. So thank you for listening. However you may be listening, whether that be Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, your listen is greatly appreciated. So thank you. And with that said, I want to get started. And where I want to start is a moral parable, the sword of Damocles. Um, it was written by uh, ancient Roman philosopher, orator, politician uh, Cicero in his book, Tusculan Disputations. And basically, it's a moral parable. And basically, what, what, what it is, is there's a king, Dionysius, Dionysius and basically he has a has a hard fisted rule and whatnot and over the years he garners a lot of enemies and one day one of his court uh gestures courtiers so to speak Damocles is basically showering him with praise basically saying oh man you got it so good you know your life is so great and Dionysius who you know was living in fear and you know tired not necessarily tired of his position but living in fear and understood the weight of his position understood what came with being king you know, was like, okay, you know, switch seats with me then. And so do switch seats. And he got to eat, eat all the fine meals and all the, you know, got all the perfume ointments and all that thing, all those things. And everything was good, right? He was living blissfully until he looked up and saw a sword hanging over his head being held by a single horse hair. And I want to use that, this, this parable, because basically the, the moral of the story is, you know, um, heavy is the head that wears the crown, so to speak. You know what I mean? And that, you know, or however you want to, however, really, whatever your interpretation of it is, honestly, but mainly what they want to try to get out of that is, you know, it's not always better to be in power and have all the the responsibility and the uh, uh, cons. You could, it's, not, it's not always good to be in power because you have to deal with the cons. Now, transitioning that to more on a black perspective, I, the way I look at black people as a group, not individually, but I look at us like Damocles. I look at us in the, in this system of white supremacy, you know, we're just sitting down, we're enjoying our lives, we're living very blissfully, and meanwhile, there's a sword, the sword that is white supremacy hanging over our head, being held by a single horsehair, and we don't get that, you know, and that's what disturbs me, um, you know, no matter how many times that we've been, no matter how much evidence is shown to us that, you know, the federal government doesn't do anything for our issues we still hold out this hope ignorantly that things are going to be better we we walk around this country you know and believe in in this with this idea that humanity is the is 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 what needs to be pushed to the forefront we look at the world through through a humanist eyes but that's not how this country and that's not really how the world looks like it's all great to say it's all great to say that we all one people and we all need to come together and things like that. But that that's not necessarily uh, been evidenced as far as black people. So I use the sort of Damocles to say that we're, we're, we're like Damocles, man. We're blissfully enjoying our lives. However, we should be fucking off, playing around, joking around and not understanding that there's impending danger. There's, there is, there are people out there who want to see us eliminate, eliminated. Unlike King Dionysius, we're, they don't want to eliminate us because we did anything to them. They just want to eliminate us because of how we are. And for some reason, for black people, that doesn't translate uh, very well that people want to do you harm just because of who you are. 
And I really want us to get out to, to get to the point where we do understand that we have enemies for no other reason than we just exist in this society and that we need to start stepping to and, and living with a sense of purpose. Like I said, I'm not trying to be too preachy. I'm just speaking on things that I found to be true in my personal life and that I do see across, you know, um, black people in general. Right. So we continue to engage the political system from a place of ignorance. And if it's not ignorance, because I'm not speaking absolutely about everybody, but if it's not a level of ignorance, well, it is ignorance ultimately, but it's a level of optimism that has not been earned from the federal government. These politicians have done nothing to earn you optimism. And ultimately, when it comes down to. Um, when it comes down to. Politics. I'm not here to tell you that your your vote doesn't matter. I don't. I don't. I hope I haven't conveyed that message. Um, and if I have, I want to kind of pull that back and step into it more strongly and say your vote does matter. But what matters more importantly than your vote, like your ability to vote, is what you're voting for. Because we have, you know, uh, Jim Clyburn, and I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast. I know a lot of people in general kind of want, you know, a, a Medicare for all type system. What if not a universal healthcare system? More people than, than, than in the past want something done about the police. And still not a majority, but more people want something about the police. And when you have Jim Clyburn basically saying that the Democratic Party, who was supposed to be the lesser of the two evils, by the way, the more morally people think that they're, they're the more morally superior person for voting for the Democrats. Um, he's been saying, Jim Clyburn's been saying how the Democrats can't run on a platform of defund the police and Medicare for all. Because and, and it's been relayed to me that, well, they can't do that because they won't win, which is not true. Simply not true. Um, the point is that the Democratic Party is only in it to win. Right. Just like they're. They're Republican brothers, they're only in it to win. So it doesn't necessarily matter what the people want. It really matters what the Republicans want to do. Because the way we treat politics, we the, in reality, the politicians are supposed to be serving us, right? But we've been abused, I would say, into believing that we're there. We're here to serve them. You know what I mean? We've we've been treated so badly by our governmental system, especially in recent generations, that we just succumb to the idea that you know government is not supposed to do nothing for us. I mean, yeah, we're gonna elect, we're gonna vote, right? Because I'm gonna vote, but. You know, I don't really expect Mitch McConnell in my state if he's over in Kentucky. Or I don't respect I don't expect uh, Jim Clyburn or I don't respect Al Lawson. I don't respect anybody who represents my st my state, Ted Cruz, whoever. I don't respect them to actually go up to Washington and fight for me. That's where we're at. And the system, democracy system, if you're to believe in it um, or to believe in its possibilities in a system of check and ba checks and balances like this democracy is the ultimate balance or counterbalance to politicians judges and all that police is the people but the people are not doing their job we're not doing our job we're just voting and going back to entertainment and i understand that you know you don't always want to be engaged in something serious all the time you want to chill but you shouldn't always be engaging in things that aren't serious all the time either that's just bad we, we need a level of seriousness um about these issues especially as black men in particular and black women as well black women they've picked it up they've picked it up in some levels um a lot more than we have as black men but ultimately we need to step into the forum now. And a lot of times we go to barbershops and we go to a lot of these places and nobody's really talking about anything substantive. And I'm here to say those conversations have to change. If we ultimately want to see the change that we want to see, right, it's more than just going to vote every two to four years for a politician. 
these conversations that we're having have to translate into our everyday lexicon, into our everyday dialogues or conversations. When we're in barbershops, when we're at record stores, we need to be discussing the political issues of the day instead of just talking about the history of the NFL or whether Cam Newton or that one of them deserves MVP. And I'm not trying to get preachy on you, so hear me out. I'm not saying those things, you can't talk about those things. You can't play your video game. You can't, you know, smoke a joint or go to a club. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that for too long, I have to admit because I've been part of the problem. That's how I know I'm speaking with a level of truth. We focus on things that don't matter. We let white people in general and those that want to be like white people assimilate or not not assimilate. I'm sorry. Ascend to the highest levels of power in this country. And because we're too busy trying to play around, you know, do whatever the drug of choice we want to do, play a video game, listen to music, whatever it is, you know, we're too busy focusing on things that don't matter to our daily lives. And then when the politicians don't do anything, when somebody gets killed or, you know, you got health care, you got you got cancer or you got an injury and you realize like, damn, man, I got to pay for this health care. And then you start to realize the problems of your country. Well, part of that is on the citizenry, because if we're the ones that's working every day, paying taxes, going, making the country run, being the public transportation drivers, regardless of your ethnicity, being the public transportation drivers, being the UPS people, being the, the doctors, being the people that work construction, being the people that literally fund the country, you should literally get more, more out of your country. But if you're not going to hold the people that you elect to power accountable before you put them in office. See, this has to be before you put them in office, not after you put them in office, because once after you've put them in office, there's no incentive, especially if they didn't promise you anything, there's no incentive for them to do anything for you. This is not about morals. We can't expect our political uh, officials to just do things that they never said they were going to do because they're elected officials. No, that's not how it goes. And you have years and years of evidence to show you. That's not how it goes. That's not how it works. You have to put fire up under these people's asses to let them know that things will go awry if you don't do what we want them to do. Like I said, and that goes across just citizens as a whole, because for too long we have this expectation, like I said, that politicians are, number one, aren't going to do anything for us simply because, oh, come on, man, you really don't expect no politician to do something for you. Yeah, I expect politicians to run the country. I expect the politicians to politicians to um, assist in, 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 in aiding in the welfare of their citizens. Yes, I do expect that a politician every day when he wakes up, not to worry about how he's going to, you know, do some insider trading to get his stock portfolio stronger. I want him to, I mean, he could do that too. See, because I'm not hating on anybody doing what they do. I'm saying give something back to the game. If you want to go and hobnob with the, with the lobbyists on DC and, and get your paper up, okay, cool. But give something back to the game. Give something back to the co- to the to the to the to the to the truck driver that voted you in, or the wife, the nurse that voted you in. That's allowing you to hobnob with powerful people and Wall Street people to get your coin up. But give something back to the working man. That's all I'm saying. And these and we've created this expectation. We as citizens have created this expectation in our mind that we don't deserve anything. That's the citizens as a whole. We don't deserve anything. And even deeper than that, if we're to break the citizenry down or the citizen population down into subgroups, black people specifically, we definitely are the worst of that. We go as far as to be completely selfless in our political endeavors, in our political ideologies. We talk about every other group except for our own. Except for our own. So it's time, man. It's time for black men. It's time for us to, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not saying you can't do what you do, but we got to start talking politics, man. It's time for the men and the women too. I'm not just trying to, you know, single out the women, but it's time for us as a group. It's time for these political conversations to not happen when Donald Trump and Joe Biden's running. 
No, it's time for them to happen on a random Saturday in an off year when there's no election. Because these are the things that we're going to be engaged in if we're, we are as citizens, one, as black people, two, if we're serious about getting something tangible for the hard work that we put in every day, helping this country be what it is. Right? And, that, and that's really where my mind is on that. We, we got to get off this idea that we don't deserve anything as citizens. And well, no, man, it's time for us, dog. It's time for us. I'm not saying I get it. Some people are working um, mothers and, and fathers that got, you know, mad kids. OK, cool. Right. But all of us don't have kids. All of us got extra time instead of doing for playing the video game for those certain hours or listening to those records or going to a bar for those specific hours. We could be engaging in going to a local political event just to see what's going on and throw our weight out there and stuff like that that's all i'm saying if we i get that change is incremental well first of all i don't believe change is incremental i believe change is radical but the build-up to change is incremental i look at change like boiling water you cut it on the water's getting hotter it's getting hotter it's getting hotter and eventually starts bubbling and that's the change but before that you don't see it you see you know the regular water then you start to see bubbles forming then you start to see bubbles go up to the top and burst you know what i mean and then ultimately the whole thing's bubbling well that's how change works changes is the change is incremental up to the point that it reaches tipping point and then change is radical Change is not incremental. The politicians and just general misinformation of just the everyday citizen has you believing that change is is incremental. It's not. It's radical. That's that's the definition of change. One day you're married, the next day you're divorced. You know what I'm saying? And yes, there may be proceedings leading up to that final divorce day, but eventually it gets to a point where you're divorced. And you have to be like, damn, yesterday I was married. You know what I mean? But today, you know what I'm saying? So so stop believing that change is incremental. Stop letting them feed you incrementalism. Especially when they're not telling you how the incremental change is going to be eliminated. Now, if they're telling you how the incremental change is going to be um, not eliminated, but um, um, what am I trying to say? They're, they're trying to show you how it's going to how it's going to play out. If they're not showing you how it's going to play out. Then you don't need. They don't have a plan for the incremental change, so you can see. Okay, if every year for the next five years, police police forces around America are going to reduce their police force by two percent. Until they're until they get down to fifty percent of what they used to have. If you don't see stuff like that, then don't believe in incremental change. No incremental change without a plan. All right. So let, let can we get off that? It's time to get serious, especially as black people. It's time to get serious. I'm not saying abandon your favorite hobbies. What I'm saying is also increment. If you care about politics, which everybody does. They just people are just disillusioned because they feel like the Mitch McConnell's and the, you know, Lindsey Graham's and everybody else. The Maxine Waters, because I'm not just going to pick on white politicians, the Cory Booker's, all those guys. And I'm not saying a lot of those people aren't committed to getting things done. But all we have to judge by is the results. And if we don't have results, we can't give you credit for no results. We just can't. You know what I mean? All right. So uh, before I move on to another thing I wanted to touch on. Um, I want to remind you, everybody, want, want to remind everybody, make sure that you're subscribed to Demo Radio Podcast. If you're not, if this is your first time listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you guys are rating and commenting um, on the podcast itself. Let me know where I could do better, um, things that you may want to hear better or, or, like I said, ways that I can improve. All right. But anyway, like I said, thank you again for listening. And um, we're going to get back to the show. So another issue that I'm that I have with uh, black Americans. Us, us. Is that we have this idea of we're going to do what we we're going to do the minimum. We're going to try to do what it can to get the minimum possible. Right. And so these elected officials can pander for our votes. They could do a lot of things and we don't demand concrete policy. And when broached with that, we, you know, have this cognitive dissonance because we finally realized, like, oh, damn, I never really thought about that. Like, I never I don't really ask for anything for my for my vote. I just kind of give my vote. And then we say things like, you know, well, we got to get it how we can. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm a veteran. 
So people like to bring up, well, you know, if it wasn't for the Fair Housing Act or if it wasn't for the GI Bill, you know, you're a veteran, you cool, you're good. All right. So this is what I want to do right here. Just to just to show you as black Americans, the reason why we cannot cannot try to get benefits from this country, which we've given so much to over the generations. We as in when I say we, I mean my DNA, the people that came before me and yours. The reason why we can't do that is because the numbers that make up a lot of these subgroups like veterans and LGBT people and all this other stuff just isn't enough of people. Right. To benefit us in large enough numbers. So I have here less than 1% of people serve in the military. 0.6% of the United States population is a military serviceman, active duty, and or vet, not, not and or veteran. But my point is, at any given point, you don't have a large amount of people who are, now there may be a lot of people who are veterans, right? But even them, they're not, they're not, and, and, and they're not this, they're not majority of the population, right? They're not, and then you have to look at black veterans, through the years, yes, we probably accumulated a big amount enough of numbers, but you got to think in the 1940s and, 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 and generations up to there, black people didn't always reap the benefits of GI Bill, of housing grants, housing stipends, housing uh, loans and things of that nature. So it's not very, it's not a reliable source to think that, okay, if I become the less than 1%, one half of 1% of these people, then that's going to be, that's, that's going to be good enough for all of our people. We have to stop being selfish. Yes, I'm a veteran. Yes, I got certain benefits. Yes, I did. But what about the person that's not a veteran? What about the person that's not a college uh, student that went with college degree? You have to think outside of yourself. And 0.6% of people who serve in the military at any given point of time is not enough people. If you fact, even if black people are 30%, of of that number right we're still we're still which i don't think we are of the united states air force but my uh, military but my point is even if we are we're still 30 percent of 0.5 percent or 0.6 percent that is not nearly enough to we could be like well it benefits us it's just not it's just not ultimately we need policy for us another one people who identify as lgbtq are 4.5% of the population. Transgender people are 0.6% of the population. This is of all people, of all ethnic groups, 4.5%. So as a black person, you cannot, I'm sure you can, let me be, let me be more, let me, let me say this correctly. You can because you have the ability to do what you want. It is not beneficial to you, even if you're gay, to identify with your gayness first, right? Because ultimately, there aren't enough there while you're 4.5% and they have been able to get legislation passed and move things. You're still not enough to where it's going to benefit black people. The only thing that's going to benefit black people is policy for black people. That's it. Not LGBT, not people of color, not veterans, not anybody black people, because there aren't enough black people in all these subgroups to help us to, to help us as a whole to we're like, okay, they didn't have to do nothing for black people, but they did something for LGBT. So we good. What if you're not LGBT? What if you're not a veteran? What if you're not uh, an immigrant? Because there are black immigrants, but we're descendants of slaves. We're not black. We're descendants of slaves here in the U S we're not immigrants. So the question is, when are we going to get serious about getting something for us? When are we going to start being the men, the people that's like, man, however I could get it, I could get it. Instead of saying, no, this is what I want. And this is what we're going to do to get it. Just think about it. That's all I want you to do. Think about it because becoming a veteran may be cool for me. It may be cool for my father, maybe cool for my grandfather. But what you see is some of these things don't always work out the way you think they do. How many homeless veterans are there? You know what I mean? But yet you're thinking becoming a veteran and getting a GI Bill is somehow going to is uh, uh, by and large a benefit to you. No, it's an assistance. I'm not saying it isn't. It's an assistance for you. But ultimately, you still got to get out here and compete with everybody else, too, as a veteran. You know what I'm saying? And in a white supremacist society, being a black veteran, yeah, maybe somewhat better for you, but you're still black. So that's what I'm trying to say. 
If you're black, let's focus on black. Let's get it. Let's circle our wagons, man. Let's get something done for us. Let's switch the conversation in our homes, in our places of business, in our places of leisure. I'm not saying it has to all be serious, but every every so often we could drop in some political talk just to stimulate the mind. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be all fun and I mean all business and no fun. But damn sure we've had nothing but fun. All we do is fun. Every protest we go to turns out to be fun. Everything has to be fun. School. When I went to family, everybody used to be talking about how. You know, they would, school needs to be more fun. Man, listen, we need to be done with fun. We have all the fun. We're the most fun people in the country. And guess what? We're also the brokest people in the country. We're the people that don't own no businesses. And I'm one of those people that don't own a business. So <laughs> I'm trying to with this podcast thing, but ultimately I don't own a business. So yeah, man, there's things, there's tangible resources and, and, and things that we need to get, get, and then we can have all the fun we want to. But we've been having way too much fun, way too much fun for people who are a horse hairs away from annihilation. Let's just keep it real. You have wealth. Wealth helps buffer you from, you know, emergencies. But if emergencies happen, you have no wealth, you're facing extinction. And that's just real. And with that being said, I want to close out here. Um, so in Louisville, uh, Louisiana, that's in Iberia Parish, there was a young 15-year-old boy, uh, Kawan Charles. He was found, you know, dead in a, in a sugar field. The police saying he drowned. Allegedly, there's a white woman named Janet Irvin who claims to have picked him up without his mother's permission. So, you know, if you want me to go in depth on, on these things, you can go back to my previous episode where I talked about it on 65 years later. Other than that, I'm not going to go too far into it tonight because this is what I'm saying. We cannot, for people who may feel like I'm, I'm trying to rid the world of racism, I'm not. That's not my goal. That's not my dream. That's not a desire of mine because I can't do it. You can't resist, uh, rid the world of misog- misogyny. You can't rid the world of sexism. You can't rid the world ageism. Whatever you, whatever ism you want to put on it, you're not going to get it out of the world. What I want to do though is get black people up to a position and help, not do, not get because I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to do it with assistance. Get us to a position where we understand what's good for us, build a self interest, and move on that self interest. Because the Kawan Charles of the world are going to continue to happen. The Amar Aubrey's are going to continue to happen in this society. But we can't become so desensitized to violence against us that we just, you know, oh man, it is what it is. No, we can't take that attitude. Stay mad, but go do something about it. Go hit the gym. Go go shoot your gun off. Get some target practice. Go do something productive. Don't just be upset that another black man got killed and you know, drink some Hennessy or, you know what I mean? Be sad about it and just talk about, oh, man, these white folks, they just go keep killing us. No, nah, man, no. Nah. Go do something proactive because what's going to stop them is us is going to stop them ultimately because the government, local, federal, city has shown us until we make them that they're not going to do it. All right? So thank you for listening to Demo Radio this week. Like I said, I try to do this every Friday. I drop new episodes. Like I said, I want to cut through the BS, man. Let's cut the fat off the steak and get straight to the bare bones and the meat of everything that's going down. Let's not delude ourselves with fake optimism. There's a lot in the world to be optimistic about, namely your own endeavors and your own, your own ability to each day increase your knowledge and your aptitude and your skills. Other than that, there is no, you should not have faith that somebody who did not tell you they're going to do something for you is going to do something for you. Jim Clyburn literally said that. He literally said, we can't run on defund the police and Medicare. But literally, the people are saying we want Medicare and we want to defund the police. Not all the people, not all the people, but enough of the people. And as we can see, 4.5% of LGBT can get Equality Acts passed for them. They can get HB, whatever bills. They can get the NBA to move games. That's LGBT people. That's 4.5% of the population. 06 of 
percent of the population, meaning veterans, military, well, active duty military, 0.6 of the population, can get huge defense budgets, 600 billion to the amounts of. So don't tell me that 13% of the people can't rock this nation to its core. We're foundational to this country. We've been here, you know what I'm saying, since, since there was a United States of America. Our issue of slavery, you could argue, helped bring together the, this idea of nationhood that there is today. So as a black American descendant of slaves, you are very instrumental into the development of this country. And don't let anybody tell you that you have to accept second class citizenship because they're not going to do anything for you. Take that anger in your belly and use it and get some. Let's all get something done for us. All right. So until next week, y'all, peace.